Our first scripture reading is Psalm 24. Listen now to the word of God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Our gospel lesson comes from the gospel according to John, chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. The large crowd that had come to celebrate the Passover feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Jesus' disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with Jesus when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees, who were seeking Jesus to seize him, said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, on this great Palm Sunday celebration, let us remember all that you gave up to come and be with us. And Lord, all that you would endure in the days to come, that the work of our salvation would be finished. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate your presence in our midst, to welcome you into our world. And Lord, let us do so with the greatest humility, mindful of our sin, mindful of the price that you will pay to purchase us and our life. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found holy and acceptable in your sight. You who are our strength and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. In high school, all four years, I played trombone in the marching band. We were the North Pocono Marching Trojans. And our uniforms were comprised of these ancient wool red trousers and jackets with white trim, a broad cape, white gloves, and what really topped the uniforms off, a white plastic helmet plumed with stiff red plastic bristles. Now, we took a lot of ribbing for those helmets, 
But they did have one advantage. When the football team made it into those late postseason games, those helmets were great at brushing snow off of the bleachers. They could brush the snow off your car as well. In addition to playing at football games, our band also marched in local parades. The biggest by far was Scranton's St. Patrick's Day. I remember the crowds lined up several people deep down the whole length of the long green line that traced the city's downtown. The people would clap and cheer and yell as we came by, especially those watching from under the awnings of Scranton's many bars. And those bars, they opened at the crack of dawn that day. They didn't waste any time. Another thing I remember from parades is how abruptly they end. Forever, it seems, you're marching along the crowded street, you're playing your heart out, you're doing your best to step around the steaming piles left by the police horses in front of you, and you turn a corner and suddenly, it's all gone. It's over. The line on the pavement stops and the crowds vanish. All the bands and the floats in front of you have dissolved. And everyone is busy doing their own thing, packing up their equipment, heading for home. At the end of a parade, there is no great victory. There's nothing more remarkable waiting for you than a few broken or cast-off pieces of floats and costumes. And there they lie, just like many of the branches that churches hand out on Palm Sunday, which dry and wither as they are left in pews and back seats. Parades are an exciting way to celebrate. They generate a lot of noise and spectacle, but in and of themselves, parades don't affect much change. Jesus' own palm branch and coat-strewn entrance into Jerusalem was just the same. Palm Sunday appears in all four gospel accounts. We could read about Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, not just from here in John 12, but also in Matthew 21, Mark 11, or Luke 19. And if you do that, if you read all of these chapters side by side, these four snapshots of Jesus' parade, you'll find some details they all share, and some things are unique to each gospel writer's special point of view. All four gospels, agree that the crowds who lined the road in Jerusalem received Jesus that day not as a prophet or healer, not as a preacher or celebrity, but as their king. The Gospel of Mark declares, Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that is coming. Luke proclaims, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Luke adds that when the authorities reprimanded Jesus' disciples for making too much noise, Jesus tells them that if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. For Matthew and John, Jesus' parade reminds them of words from the Old Testament. Some 500 years before Jesus' birth, in the days when the Israelites were just beginning to return to Jerusalem from years of captivity in Babylon, the prophet Zechariah declared, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming. When Zechariah spoke those words, the city of Jerusalem lay in shambles, the temple destroyed. To a people desperately searching for divine rescue and deliverance, 
Zechariah looked forward to a great kingly warrior coming to bring peace, to break the strength of their enemies, to restore them double all the fortune and power they had once enjoyed. Of that Savior, Zechariah says in chapter 9, verse 9, he will enter Jerusalem triumphant and victorious, humble, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. His dominion, Zechariah says, will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. When the crowds heard that Jesus was on his way into Jerusalem, this is what many were hoping for. For Jesus to sweep into the city like a heroic warrior king, to rid them of the oppressive Roman occupation, and to lead their nation back to the glory days of old. With such high expectations for Jesus, you can see why they were willing to toss their coats and their jackets under a donkey. You can understand why they'd cut down palm branches and spread them across Jesus' path. For the palm branch served as a sign of strength and power and importance. Today, we would see someone like that welcomed into town in a police-escorted motorcade in a line of shiny black tinted window SUVs. Besides the waving of the palm branches, another familiar Palm Sunday tradition is for us to repeat those same words that the crowd shouted as Jesus passed. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, in all the parades that I ever attended, even the more wild St. Patrick's Day ones, no one in the crowd ever cried out, Hosanna. Then what does this word mean? Where does it come from? Why do we print it in our bulletins and shout it out in our sanctuary year after year as we commemorate Jesus' big parade? Well, Hosanna is two Hebrew words, words of petition, which mean, save us now. And the most familiar usage of these words appears in Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. The English Standard Version translates it like this. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. In our day and time, Hosanna is like saying, God, help us. This means that as the crowds cheered Jesus into Jerusalem, welcoming as king, they were also asking something from Jesus. The Palm Sunday crowds expected something from Jesus. They expected their own liberation, and not just in a religious or a spiritual sense, but in a real way, in a political and a social, an economic and a military way. Jesus, they cried, save us, save us now. Jesus set us free. And we who know this story so well know that the expected terms and conditions of their salvation did not materialize that day. We know that Jesus does not ride up the front steps of the governor's house, kick Pilate out the door. Jesus does not send the legions of Roman enforcers running for the hills. Instead, 
Jesus completely redefines what salvation looks like. Jesus humbly submits to humiliation and torture from those same ungodly authorities whom everyone expected him to overthrow. This is the great paradox of Jesus' life, that the glorification of God's name and the salvation that he brings us comes in his own suffering and humiliation. Jesus becomes the one who bears our curse, the one who is nailed upon a tree, the one whom with extended arms pours out his life and dies praying for the Father to forgive us. The crowds who yelled Hosanna to Jesus, asking for salvation, they would receive it, but in a way they could never imagine. It came from the most unlikely place and means. It came from the cross. And when the crowds saw what path King Jesus was going to take, they turned. They turned viciously on the humble colt rider. The question we need to ask ourselves today is, would we have done any differently? I expect not. Really, we are no different from them. Human beings are hopelessly, unceasingly self-interested. Those crowds were only doing what is our nature to do. They wanted to survive. The grim reality of Holy Week, which begins with this parade, comes as we realize again and again that were we in that time as we are now, nothing would change. The real miracle we see in this whole holy, horrific week that lies before us, from Palm Sunday to Good Friday, is how our Heavenly Father uses the most destructive forces of human nature, scapegoating and violence, as the very process for our redemption. My Hosanna and my Crucify Him, they come from the same place inside me. They come from my desire to be rescued from this mess of a world, whatever that takes. My desire for God to bring that rescue in the way and in the time that I expect him to. We cry Hosanna out of desperation. And when God doesn't meet our expectations, we cry crucify him out of disappointment. In neither do we really understand what we are asking for. Nevertheless, God has his arms around us. God holds us with our palm branches, and God holds us with the cross. By his unmerited, undeserved, unexpected grace, save us and crucify him become the miraculous vocabulary with which God teaches us the meaning of his unconditional love and mercy and salvation. Luke tells us that Jesus ends his parade 
by coming near to Jerusalem and by weeping over it, saying, Would that even today you knew the things that make for peace, but now they are hid from your eyes. Likewise, in the verses that follow in John, Jesus replies to Andrew and Philip and a Greek tourist's request to see him in a dark and baffling way. Jesus says, A kernel of wheat must be planted in the soil. Unless it dies, it will be alone, a single seed. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. At the end of this great celebratory parade, Jesus has much more to do than revel in his hero's welcome. Jesus knows that the Father wills him to bear more than just honors and titles. No, for Jesus, the journey continues from paths smoothed with cloaks and palms to much darker and rougher roads. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come to Jerusalem to face betrayal and arrest, to endure insult and suffering, death on a cross, and finally the cold, lonely darkness of the tomb. Jesus knows he has much yet to do, to wash the disciples' feet, to share a last supper, to pray in a garden, and a grueling march through the valley of the shadow. Over the days that follow, Jesus will accomplish all that the crowds had hoped for and expected, but he will do it in a way that no one but God himself could ever imagine or achieve. At the end of the parade, Jesus' work for us and for the sake of the world, is not finished. That will take another week, the events of which will transform us and creation forever. And this holy week, when I have gaped and groaned long enough at the feet of the crucified one, I pray that I will arise with a transposed cry in my heart. Perhaps this year, God will change me enough to cry out, God save them and crucify me. To the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. We praise you, O God, for your redemption of the world through Jesus Christ. Today, he entered the holy city of Jerusalem in triumph and was proclaimed Messiah and King by those who spread garments and branches along his way. Let us who wave these branches as signs of his victory carry them as we follow on his way to the cross, that dying and rising with him, we may enter into your kingdom through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, now and forever. We remember this day that our Redeemer suffered death and was buried and rose again for our sake. With love, let us adore him, aware of our needs. Christ, our teacher, for us you were obedient, even to death. Teach us to obey God's will in all things. Christ, our life, 
By dying on the cross, you destroyed the power of evil and death. Enable us to die with you and to rise with you in glory. Christ, our strength, you were despised and humiliated as a condemned criminal. Teach us the humility by which you saved the world. Christ, our salvation, you gave your life out of love for us. Help us to love one another. Christ, our Savior, on the cross you embraced all time with your outstretched arms. Gather all the scattered children of God into your realm. Jesus, Lamb of God, have mercy on us. Jesus, bearer of our sins, have mercy on us. Jesus, Redeemer of the world, grant us peace. Eternal God, as we are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, so give us the grace of repentance that we might pass through the grave with him and be born again to eternal life. For he is the one who was crucified, dead, and buried, and rose again for us, Jesus our Savior. Amen.